There it is. Oh, yeah. What that big drum explosion. Again. Ow! Howdy, everybody. I'm Robert. And I'm Ira. And this is Anti-Wave. Yes, it is. A podcast all about the films that operate to a different tune from the typical Hollywood fare. I like that because what we're doing this week is an anomaly. It's, <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> it is an it, anomaly it, of anom- enema. Uh, yes. Enema. The, yeah. How do you say I, it? It's, it's not enema. I don't think it's enema. No. An- anima. Anima. A-N-I-M-A. Almost sounds like enema. Which is a music video. Right. Right. On- Although, I guess technically it's a short film. We'll, we'll, it's a music we'll talk video. about that. Um, we'll talk about that. And it's it's streaming on Netflix. And our top five this week is... Top five music videos. Of all time. So, I guess we're going to have to conclude that it isn't a music video uh, By eventually. there, by definition, I suppose it is. Otherwise, yeah. we wouldn't have much of a reason to have top five music videos. It would videos. make sense now, would it? Uh, or at least we could just be inspired by that. Ah, good point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hey, yeah. so our uh, our top five last week was what, Ira? Do you remember? Oh, yeah, I sure do. Rise to Fame? Mm-hmm. Yes, Rise to Fame. By the way, Driving Home last week... It, another one hit me, and I wish I had said it. Uh-oh. A face in the crowd. Oh yeah. Do you rem- you never? N- saw I never saw it, but that? I remember you telling me this is the am- one with. Uh- Oh, what's his name? A- Andy, uh, Andy Griffith. Griffith. Andy Griffith. Yeah. And it's the best thing he's ever done. You told me about it. And uh, yeah, a lonesome roads, a guitar picking guy from the south, and he rises to fame. And it's it's real relevant, and it's an incredible film. It's I want to see that. You need to see that. I'm asking you to put that on your A-list to watch. Uh, some listeners There's wrote some in others. with a few. Uh, Runaways, The Doors, Straight out of Compton. Yeah. Uh, what else we got here? Rockstar, 42nd Street? Well, yeah, that musical. I never it, saw it. Yeah, it's about raise, rising. New York on Broadway. Okay. A dancer, singer, and so on. Are you familiar with Hedwig and the Angry Inch? Of course, you know about yeah. That? You know yeah. about, yeah. And that was a, a play as well. Yeah, well, I think and, it was a, it was the play, play first. first. Yeah. Right, right. Good Morning Vietnam. Yeah. I didn't well, like that well, movie very much. Uh, everyone raved about it. It was it for a while, and I... All I remember from that is just wrong. Good the Morning fam- Vietnam. The famous, that's, the famous that's yeah, it, yeah. signature of the movie, right? Um have you ever heard of something called, this person wrote in, Ladies and Gentlemen, The Fabulous Stains? No. I looked into this, and Laura Dern stars in oh, it. Of course so you looked into I'm it. I'm ready to watch it. And it's a punk rock and roll group. And it was made in like the 80s, I think. Oh. And it is a story about rising to fame. So we got quite a few responses now. You know, you also have Decline of the Western Culture. The That documentary series, there's three of them. Uh, where it's a documentary about the punk scene and of course the second one was famous for uh, all the interviews with people as they were rising to fame becoming famous is Ozzy Osbourne and uh, I think Metallica was in there poisoned a lot of the the big hair bands from the 80s right yeah right so good we got we heard some uh, our we thank our listeners yeah straight out of Compton did we mention that we mentioned uh, that yeah. Did? yeah okay so those were some of them also, we want to bring up something else. We uh, asked, uh, you know it's going to go here, and don't roll your eyes. Robert. I am. I'm already pre-rolling my eyes. I know you eyes. are. I know you are, and I'm not going to let go of this because right, let's do quite it. a few people responded and they supported my point of view. Obviously, I'm referring. Oop, my bad. What's that? Good. I'm referring to the question. Was um, yesterday a musical? Was yesterday a musical? Well, yesterday, yesterday was a day. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Here's what one. What one Go for it. I'm, I'm ready said. for this battle. And I love this opening premise. It's only, He said, no, it's not. 
It's only a musical if the characters don't know they are singing. That's really a great umbrella statement. I think that's valid. If songs... Of course um, you think it's valid. It supports your side. Now just listen. Don't get ornery on me. If songs are a plot device to advance the story and the characters singing as they speak the lines, then it's a musical. So in other words, with this definition, uh, this reader went out of his way, this this listener went out of his way to send us a rather long email saying things like, and I, I was wondering about Pitch Perfect, all three of those movies, mm-hmm. they're not musicals. Well, according they're to not, this listener. Uh, yes, they're not musicals because A, they uh, they know they're singing as opposed to Camelot and Oklahoma and all those traditional musicals. And they're musical movies, but they're not musicals. Go. Well, you should also point out that my, my example of, of uh, Blues Brothers this listener says it it's not a musical because they're not advancing the plot, just demonstrating performing the number where the lyrics could be anything without altering the plot. Uh, but think the song think that they do uh, with Aretha Franklin mm-hmm. does advance the plot and the lyrics true are relative speaking lines. One could argue the same for the James Brown and the Ray Charles scenes. Uh, so I, I hear what he's saying. I think that just those three musical num- numbers alone would make, Blues Brothers, a musical. Those segments in the film. Right. Those segments. I mean, they, they, they all bust out into spontaneous dance, which would be an impossibility. It's an exaggeration exaggeration of reality. Uh, let me just read to you what Webster's defines it as. Oh, you're ready for this, aren't yeah. you? Yeah. It says, a play or movie in which singing and dancing play an essential part. Essential is an interesting word, Robert. I want to go back to yesterday and say if it wasn't Beatles music, but instead it was another prominent rock group, you'd have the same movie. It wouldn't sure. be any different. So therefore, the music is not essential. I don't. Not the Beatles' right. music is well, not essential. It would have worked. That with, song is not essential. That's right. But the music that's is essential. That's right. So my point is, it could work with Beach Boy songs, sure. and you'd have the identical movie. But it would still so be a those, musical, right? But those songs, getting back to your definition, are not essential. They're not essential to the film, are the they? The fact that there is they a can be song. Substituted. The fact that there is a song is essential. They can be substituted. If it was muted it's not with essential. no music. Then it would not be essential. Mm, I'm sorry, my friend. No. Um, this person wrote uh, not uh, that Pitch Perfect, not a musical. Bohemian Rhapsody, not a musical. Rocket Man is a musical. Aladdin is a musical. This is Spinal Tap, not a musical. any rate, yeah, we're going to really disagree well, on Spinal this, Tap right? is a documentary, as well, we all it's know. A mockument- no, right, no, right. documentary. Thank you. <laughs> Put that knob up to 11. But uh, I really thought that Pitch Perfect was a good example of it not being a musical. It's just about a women who sing. Hmm. We're going to disagree. It's one of the few times where you and I really do disagree. If that was the case, mm-hmm. no. See, he, it, there's musical numbers in it. What are we talking about? Pitch but, Perfect? Yeah. But it's not a musical. In the traditional sense of the word, like Oklahoma okay. and Cabaret and My Fair Lady but and Camelot, remember what those I was saying last are week. musicals. Remember what I was saying last week. Those are operatic musicals. Mm. That's where... The song, like uh, like West Side Story, just everybody bursts into song all at the same time. But like Singing in the Rain is a good example of talented people who play performers who know how to sing, know how to dance. They would have choreographed routines beforehand, so it makes sense that they would all bust into these uh, into these moves. And that was integrated musicals and integrated musicals th- that is justification for why they're doing it. And any integrated musical, I think you could say. Well, this is not essential. We could delete this. I still love this opening umbrella statement. It's only a musical if the characters don't know they are singing. 
And that is so true. We're in Oklahoma and Cabaret and My Fair Lady. People don't sing like that in real life now, do they? So they don't know they're singing either, but we sure enjoy watching and listening to it. But in Pitch Perfect, they're singing and they know it. Okay, so what about like a movie? Okay, so like Fievel Goes West, the cartoon where he's singing like, somewhere out there. I like that song. And it's just kind of singing to yourself. They know they're singing. Is that not a musical? That totally fits everything that you're saying. Well, are there other songs in that movie? Sure, but let's just take that little snippet. Does it really matter if there were no other songs? You're being really stubborn. I am because I yeah. think your definition yeah. is wrong. My definition, this is the reader. This is our the listener. listener. Our listener. He's a great He also with you. wrote. He's a writer. He's a listener and a writer. Yeah, 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 and yeah. I assume he reads because he's smart. <laughs> he's articulate and he knows what he's talking about. You know about. who else is think, smart? Who? Mr. Webster. Eh, what does he know? <laughs> Everything. Just, just made up a bunch of words <laughs> and defined them. Says who, Webster? Musicals. We thank our listeners for responding to our question. Yes, thanks. Hey, man, uh, what'd you see this week? Are you saying it's time for Summer Old, Summer New? We now present the Week in Review. That's exactly what I'm saying. Ah, who's going to go first? Go for it. I'm going to go first. Yeah. A few films I want to mention. Oh, by the way, I want to say a couple of other quick things. You remember last week, Robert, it was bothering me a lot when we were talking about Return of the Secaucus so- 7. Yes. And I said, there's another film. There's another film. It was yeah, right. yeah, yeah. The Big Chill. The Big Chill. That was yes. It. That was it. So, of course, I Googled that question when I got home last week, and, and there we have it. Good. Okay. Uh, let's let's move on. I saw the following films. Uh, this is not, here we go again, it's not really a conventional movie, but it's it's streaming on Netflix as a TV series. The Kaminsky Method. Have you seen this? No, I know of it. I haven't seen it though. It's really quite what, good. What was it? What's this it about? Is, Michael Douglas plays the part of an acting coach. He's an acting teacher and Alan Arkin is in it. So once again, you know, we've been saying this a lot, I know, but you've got a couple of A-list players here yeah. who are doing television. They're doing a streaming show free even though i know there's a fee to watch it on netflix but it's a quality series and um he's been nominated for golden globe and it's it's really quite fascinating so i watched just the first episode uh a few nights ago is it is it a miniseries or is it an ongoing show i don't it uh, that's a great question all i know is it's a series Mm. it's i think it's an ongoing show okay it's an ongoing show Right, with a miniseries having an ending. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. So, no, I don't think that's the case here. Um, I, You know what? Playing in the background a couple nights ago, Robert? Bohemian Rhapsody. I finally saw it. Yeah? What'd you think? Yeah. He won the Oscar for that? That's it. That, that sums up. I mean... I thought what he was doing more of an impersonation. He was doing a caricature. Yeah. That's what it was. He was not deserving of best Oscar. That's for sure. I saw another film. This is a 1960... Yeah, what, what? Back up. Yeah, please. Can you appreciate that it was paint by numbers? There yeah. was, was there anything that was surprising no, no. or, or uh, I mean, different about this no. film that, that you hadn't seen in mm-hmm. other biopics of, of musical stars? I'm surprised it got the strong buzz that it got when, when it first came out. Yeah. I mean, it certainly doesn't compare to the other music bios that have come out since then, but right. it, was, it was just a major disappointment. 1964, Glenn Ford. I saw this film, Robert, in the theater, and it was on TV this morning, and I mm. felt myself, fate is the hunter. Does that mean anything to you? No. All about a plane that crashes, and they go back and recreate what happened. Suzanne Plachette was in that. I always liked her. Okay. She, I find her cute. I always want to have a thing with her. So, so the, 
priority number one for Ira is, is there a hot girl? Hot, yeah, and Suzanne Plachet was certainly it. But I just want to tell you the climactic moments, spoiler alert, where they recreate the moment, even the stewardess, Suzanne Plachet, exactly what did you do when this thing done? And they put, she put the cup uh, of coffee. Exactly what did you do? She put. What, what do you mean? Finish that sentence. Okay, they recreated the entire crash up okay. to the crash. They simulated everything in the air with the pilot, the co-pilot, the stewardess. Everyone was recreating what they did at the exact same seconds to see if they could figure this out. She came into the cockpit, uh, a flight attendant. She put the coffee cup on the console mm. and... Then there's a little bit of turbulence and the coffee spilled onto the dashboard, for lack of a better word. And there was a semen there. And it there was sh- semen? A semen. <laughs> no, the two pieces of metal wedge, w- welded together. Oh, there was a seam a se- well, you just, in uh, there. Got this it. is a very important moment when I saw this in the theater. And then the light she went blew up on. a bomb. <laughs> the light went on and it said right engine failure. And so the pilot turned off the engine because it had failed. It didn't. It was only the sensor. This was kind of, you're giving so me a look. So uh, it wasn't a bomb then? It, no, it was no bomb. <laughs> Who said anything about a bomb? No, that's you talking. So it was a great moment. It was. And I remember seeing that again in 1964 in the theater, and I saw it again this morning, and it brought back a flood of memories. The only other movie I want to mention is... Is that based on a true story? No. No, it's all made up. But isn't that interesting yeah. that the coffee caused this fl- the sensor, and they just turned off the engine. They thought it was dead, but it wasn't dead. The engine was fine. It wasn't malfunctioning. I wonder if that would be true in the real world, though. No. Because I see you looking at me like, eh, it's a stretch. They have cup holders. <laughs> <laughs> I love the way you just summed up the, they got cup holders. Yeah. <laughs> Robert, I finally saw 2005, Good Night and Good Luck. Uh, Are you? Have you seen it? I think it's just called Good Night and Good Luck. Yeah, what did I, I say? 2005, Good Luck? No, good night and good luck? Good night and good luck. Oh, yeah, because that's what Edward R. Murrow, when he used to sign off, would always say. Good night and good luck. Yeah. Did you see it? I did see it. I liked it. I liked it too. I liked it. And again, with George Clooney and, and um, Robert Downey Jr. And good Jr. luck. And good luck. And good luck. I want to just say that, you know, this is interesting. It's a black and white film. They did that, obviously, to reflect the era of the Red Scar, McCarthy era. Red Scar. The Red Scare, McCarthy era. They shot the movie in color, Robert. Mm-hmm. And then when it went through post, they, they drained sat, it out. Yeah. Isn't that interesting that it went that way? And I, I think just, more and more films are, if you're going to be black and white, white that's how you're that. going to do it. In a weird way, is it cheaper to do it that way? Certainly, is but it, they're not. Um, the black and white stocks just aren't, aren't around anymore. And this was shot on film, right? This was 2005. I don't, I don't think that they're making making like Agfa stop making uh black and white, black and white stock film. yeah uh, I don't I Kodak might still be making something but n- not much I can't imagine that they have the multitude of black and white stocks that were available before George Clooney wrote it directed it and starred in it and it was done on a shoestring budget and he paid himself three dollars one dollar for each of those roles so that they could uh, they could this make this movie and he even mortgaged his house it was a good it was a satisfying film good night and good luck I remember him. He also hosted Person to Person, where they would interview people mm. in their homes and stuff. So that's what I saw this week. And you? Uh, I saw Toy Story 4. I told you I was going to go oh, check yeah. that out. It was pretty good. Yeah. I mean, it fit in with the, with the rest of the movies, uh, the rest of the Toy Story movies. So if you've seen the others, then you'll certainly like Toy Story 4. It fits right in there. Um, I also went on on the 3rd of July, um, took the wife and the baby down to the Hollywood Cemetery and watched Mad Max Fury Road which was great. Uh, that was our daughter's first truly cinematic experience was watching. And so then, you took the picture, and that's on Instagram, of your baby. I love that photograph, right? Which one? Isn't the close-up of your baby's face at, at the Hollywood... Uh, am I yeah, wrong? Yeah. yeah it's it a lovely a, photograph thanks, of man. her. And so you brought her to see this film? Yeah. So you're 
daughter's first outing to see a major motion picture. Yep. Again, was in a funeral, in a cemetery, in a cemetery, and the film was Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah. How do you feel about that? I love it. Yeah. <laughs> how How was that in that environment and watching the film again? It's. I'm telling you, man, it's a fantastic film. Uh, it also. I, you know, I saw it recent. Last time I saw it, I saw it in at the uh, New Beverly Center, and they showed it in 35 millimeter. And I, I think I've officially turned the corner, getting away from film prints and watching them in on 35. It's bad. There were scratches all over the print, and it just had you had big lines going down through it. The colors weren't saturated, and I knew when I was watching it at the New Beverly Center or New Beverly Cinema. I was watching it thinking, man, it looks so much better on Blu-ray and at home. And then I saw this this screening, which was a DCP at the uh, at the Hollywood Forever Cemetery and thought, man, this looks just it as wasn't good too as clean. the Blu-ray. It no, it was great. It wasn't too clean because I like the scratches. No, we this, talked, this was This too was much. really badly yeah, scratched the, up. The, it's desaturated. The colors just aren't as vibrant. In a movie like this, the colors are everything. And just, it's so beautiful. And, uh, you know, producer Joey went with me and she had seen the movie... At the New Beverly Center, I keep saying New Beverly Center, New Beverly Cinema. This is Tarantino's right. theater. And that was the first time she'd seen it. And then after we watched it on uh, July 3rd at the Hollywood Cemetery, she she said to me, man, I didn't I, I didn't remember it being that beautiful. It's a beautiful film. And I said, yeah, it, every image is really, really gorgeous. That's so interesting. And I get Tarantino's newsletter every week about the New Beverly, and he's so proud that these are actual prints, you know, yeah. uh, 35 millimeter prints, and he's touting that as a reason to come see it. And I think, you know, there, I read a really interesting article that I think I might have mentioned on this podcast before, but when he released The Hateful Eight, he released it in 70 millimeter, and then he also released released it in um, a digital print and he did a, a road a traveling show where he took the 70 millimeter print around to different theaters and you would go watch the the 70 millimeter print and people would turn out to watch it in 70 millimeter and there were several reviewers who kind of said uh you know there's actually some problems with the 70 millimeter print that aren't there in the digital print and this one guy wrote a really interesting article saying i was definitely of that camp of loving the 70 millimeter for the the history and the feel and the texture and he said but when we saw hateful eight it the the projector broke down halfway through and they had to switch over to the digital really? for the second half and it was cleaner it was better it was a more enjoyable performance i hear what you're saying but remember last year when they brought back 2001 space odyssey yeah. and we saw the dome and they were very proud that it was resurrected and re put together on film and that I, we could still see some scratches not that bad and i like that maybe it's because i'm older and it reminds me of having seen that film in 1967 maybe it's that my perspective is different. I get what you but mean. I, get, I like a little bit of that. And again, the word I keep using is that when it's on film, it's got more weight. That's the word I always come back to. It's got more gravitas than digital. Well, it's certainly cleaner on digital than it is on film. And yeah. there, there's something to the dirtiness of it. There, I, I understand that and I get it. I think the, the question is, okay, if we're going for an auteur method here, if, uh, if, if Kubrick were still alive would he be okay with scratches on his print and i doubt it i think he'd probably be pretty upset he'd probably say fuck this is not what i envisioned i don't want people looking at the scratches i want people looking at the image extending your same question if kubrick were still alive do you think his next movie he would insist would be shot on film 
as opposed to digital? That's an interesting question. That is an interesting question. I think probably he would. I think he's someone who embraced a lot of the technologies of mm-hmm. uh, of the day and was forward thinking. And I suspect he probably would have gone digital so long as the parameters of the digital medium were acceptable to what he wanted. Right. One of the things I wanted to mention that I did watch uh, this week is I watched two other things that I want to talk about. Chernobyl. Have you watched Chernobyl? No. I okay, so this really is the disturbing. five. It's a five-part miniseries, right? And to be honest, I kind of felt like this was going to be homework, and I wasn't really. Uh, I kind of was like, all right, I'm going to have to sit down and watch this thing because it's kind of part of the zeitgeist of what's going on. People are talking about it's in the ether, you know? Yeah, yeah. Quite literally as well. Ah. Uh, uh. And I got that. Yeah. So I sat down and was like, all right, let me start watching this. And uh, Joey was, uh, you know, doing stuff. And we found ourselves both getting sucked into this thing. And by the third episode, we're going, this is riveting. Uh, you really wanted to find out what, what happens. They do a really interesting uh, storytelling device where they don't, they begin with the explosion and they tell you the whole story, but they don't really tell you what caused the explosion until the last episode. And that's when you start to find out and they kind of do some flashbacks and show you here's what actually went down. And it's kind of a trial and they're uh, almost like the like JFK, if you remember that movie where they kind of flash backward and they kind of tell what happened. That's kind of what was going on with uh, with Chernobyl. And they re re not reimagine, but retell the beginnings before even episode one. It's only five parts. It's really fucking good. Uh, the actors, it, it's really hard to even determine who is the main actor. I mean, the first two or three episodes, I'm kind of going, is there a central actor here? Because it's an ensemble piece. But it was, it's really interesting to, to hear what happened at that, at that location. Do you remember it happening? I remember it happening. This is 1986. I remember, of course I remember it happening. Yeah. But you, you started to say, the movie explains what happened. What had happened? Yeah. What happened? Oh, you don't know? No. You have to watch the show. Come on. <laughs> what happens is they were doing some testing, and the testing needed them to lower down the power to like level 700 something 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 but it's 700 is like the magic number that they needed to go to if you drop lower than that what starts to happen is there's different chemical reactions that happen inside the chemical core of the nuclear reactor and all the xenon gas gets created and that xenon will start lowering the temperature of the core too much and then if that happens you have to shut the whole plant down and then restart the whole plant well, that's exactly what was happening. They had an asshole who was running the whole thing, and he demanded that they start doing stuff that they uh, weren't supposed to do. And they were even trying to say, like, this is fucked up. This is not the protocol. This is not what we're supposed to do. And he was the boss. He was the manager of the plant. And this was during the uh, the overnight uh, team session. So during the day, there was a day session. They were supposed to do the test, but they couldn't because the power plant was needed to create continue making electricity at a, at a certain threshold above where they were supposed to be able to run this test. And then the evening shift was going to do it. They couldn't handle it, so they left it to the overnight shift. And this guy was hell-bent on just continuing the test. He wanted the test done, and he basically insisted on moving forward even when it wasn't safe. So this can be blamed on one guy. Yeah. I mean, there were other protocols. I mean, it was a design flaw. There's there's several different... It's never all one guy. Sure, sure. But this one guy had the lion's share of responsibility. So what happened to him? 
Uh, he was, I think, sentenced to jail. Uh, I think he died a number of years ago. There were some other people that were also involved in kind of smoothing it over and covering it up. And one of them is still involved in the nuclear power plants as of like 2015 or something. Wow. He got, he got wow. released. He went to prison for like 10 years. And when he was released, he went back to work for the nuclear power facilities. Uh, a lot of people obviously died. I think it says at the end of the show, I think the official number from Russia was like 31 people dead. And the actual number is anywhere between 4,000 to almost 100,000 people wow. died. And when you start counting in all sorts of cancers and everything else. Uh, so it was really, really bad. It's one of two of the uh, level seven emergencies of there's like the nuclear disasters are ranked and number seven is the highest uh emergency that can happen seven is the highest yeah and this was one of two sevens that have ever happened are the effects still in the air today yes but they've done a good job of containment and the film even kind of shows you we think of radiation just being like you get any radiation and you're dead but there's background radiation. I mean, you're getting radiation right, right now. Right. Any sort of anything that uh, that creates heat is giving you radiation. Um, bananas have radiation. Potatoes have radiation. Uh, when you sleep next to someone, your chances of uh, like so married couples, uh, your chances of cancer rise. So, for example, really? yeah, because they're giving off radiation. So my chances of getting cancer are actually higher than your chances of getting cancer. This is a good argument for me to remain single. No, and and every I talk to my students about this sometimes because they're always interested in nuclear weapons and we talk about radiation quite a bit. And I bring that up, but then I say, ah, but the flip side of that is that unmarried people have a far lower life right. expectancy because of depression sooner. and things right. like that. So yeah. yes, while you might not get cancer, the other statistical odds are actually against you for not being married. So um, for a minute there, I thought I was able to justify my entire <laughs> life. <laughs> but it's a great show. It, it did a really nice job of presenting all of the the evidence, so to speak, without being preachy. Uh, you know, and how do you clean up this mess? And it's still it's contained now, uh, but it's still ongoing. The core is still there. They've done a you know it's it's all within safety containment facilities but that core is still melting down now you said this is one of two incidents where it had a seven a yeah what was the other one the other one was in japan do you remember fukushima yeah. when that yeah. plant that's what i thought and that was the tsunami that that broke the plant apart right um and so there i mean there were a bunch of people for that facility too where there, these japanese men went in knowing they were going to die and basically said somebody has to go in and and make some of these changes in order to cool this thing down if we don't the whole, you know, uh, southern part of Japan is going to blow up. So we got to do something. And the same was true for Chernobyl. There were a lot of people who... They knew they were going to die. They, they knew they were going to die and they did it anyway. Some of them didn't end up dying. And it was really surprising where you're going, oh, shit. I thought for sure they were going to die. And they actually didn't. And some of them are still alive today. Uh, so it's incredible. Um, it, it showed some really amazing stuff of how there were helicopters that were trying to dump sand on Chernobyl. And when they flew directly over the reactor, they kept telling them don't, don't fly directly over it because it was just ionizing all of these, these uh, atoms straight into the atmosphere. And this one helicopter flew too close, felt flew right over it and it just disintegrated. The whole helicopter just kind of, is there footage of that? You didn't actually see No, it. it's from, it's in the movie. It's or in the, the TV show, rather. Right. I know it's not a documentary. But there's not but actual there's footage that I'm aware of. I wonder of. if I've there was documentary it. footage of that. Wow. So it, it disintegrated. Yeah. I mean, it will It just rips apart 
you know, electronics and things like that. It just, it riddles it with electrons. Uh, and and we don't, just because we can't see it, we think, oh, well, it must not be there. But, I mean, look no further than ma- the magnetic field of Earth to realize that there are electrons flowing through our planet. And these things, if if there are enough of them, they can be almost weaponized, you know? Anyway, it's a great film. It's check it out. You would really yeah, enjoy it. Yeah, I would. Li- I've heard a lot of good things about it. Yeah, uh, and the last thing that I do want to mention is I finally saw Spider-Man Into the Spider Verse. You did, and it was surprisingly good. I again, I felt like this was going to. We saw Homecoming a year ago. Yes, you this is the I, animated. Yeah, the an, did you remember the animated one that came out? I well, I, I know. Think I didn't get see one it, for best best animated picture. If not, yeah, I know it was nominated. Yeah, yeah, and it was surprisingly great. It was. It was what a comic book film should be. It was fun. It was winky, and and it was enjoyable. It, uh, you know, there was risk to the, um, like, so okay. Here's the concept: there are several different universes, and all of them. There's like a portal that's open where different Spider Men from different universes all come together, and one of the Spider Men dies. So there's one Spider Man toward the beginning. Who dies, and that really shows you. Okay, so there is a possibility for these superheroes to die, and that's one of the things I hate about so many of the Marvel like movies them. is they're immortal. There's no, there's no real uh, risk. Risk there's exactly. No risk. So anyway, that's what I uh, I saw this week, and there's some good stuff going on. Was Stanley in it? He was. He had a cameo. Uh, it was obviously his voice, but it was dedicated to him as well. I think it was this was cool. the last film that he was in. Yeah. Uh, but it was his voice. But there was also his character was animated to look cool. like Stanley, and That's he had great. a couple That's good great. lines. That's great. Yeah. That's great. Nice. Hey, man. Okay. What'd you think of uh, Anima? Robert. Anima. Uh, well, however we pronounce it, talk us through it. <laughs> I don't know if I really can. <laughs> I've been looking forward to this. Okay. P.T. Anderson teams up with Tom York, uh, lead singer of Radiohead, and they create. A 15-minute video film. I shouldn't call it a video, but it is kind of a music video mm-hmm. with three songs. I think it's three songs. And they put it up on Netflix. Uh, so this is from Tom York's upcoming new album, Anima, Anima, however you want to call it. And the the video kind of centers around um, Tom York's character, so to speak, in a uh, very experimental fashion there's a few different little sequences dance sequences and uh this kind of seems to be a, a a through line of him falling in love with a a woman and kind of wandering around this what what town is it prague i guess i don't it's know it's one of those european cities some european city yeah, yeah they're all like and that's kind of it yeah that's it you want i did some research on the title would yeah. you like to know about this Please. one word Anima um, comprises... Um, is, now, is it anima or anima? What are we, we going to say? I'm going to call it anim, anima. And animus are described in Carl Jung's school of analytical psychology as part of his theory of the collective unconscious. Mm. Jung described the, describes the animus as the unconscious masculine side of a woman and the anima as the unconscious feminine side of a man uh, with each transcending the personal psyche. I have no idea what that means. But I wanted to uh, share that with you about what that title means. Well, let's let's break All this right. down. Yeah. So, theory of the collective unconscious. Jung described the animus as the unconscious masculine side of a woman, and the anima as the unconscious feminine side of a man, with each transcending the personal psyche. Okay, so this is basically 
about the feminine side of men, the unconscious feminine side of men. That's what the album is titled. Not against the perhaps short film suggesting title. that man needs love. Yeah, which I think is a feminine quality. I think so. And yeah. he wasn't content and whole until he was dancing with his woman. Okay. Well, that's yeah. Okay. What do you think? Well, okay. Let's start. <laughs> I think P.T. Anderson, first of all, a lot of his films are a little overly pretentious for me. Um, and teaming with Tom York, Tom York's stuff feels a little pretentious to me as well. I like Radiohead's Radiohead, music. Yeah. It, and I, this is not necessarily Radiohead. This is more of his side project, his solo right, effort. Right. And a lot of that tends to be a little bit more digital and a little bit more atonal, I guess. I mean, it's not... This is not finger-snapping music, right? This is not uh, something that you're going out to the club and like, oh, man, I'm going to blast this. This is... Uh, Oppressive. Yeah. Producer Joey calls it shoegazing music, which is like, you know, staring down at your shoes the entire time. I love that term. That's and great, shoegazing. So this is... This is kind of something that you would have on in the background after you've been, after you just broke up with a significant other. Agreed. Agreed. But good at that. You know, it's that kind of like, oh, I'm very sad kind of music. And I'm very sad and self, now, self-indulgent. But here's, yes, a little bit. But here's what I like about it. Uh, what I like about a lot of music videos are that it allows us our level of interpretation. You just said a great interpretation of this film, which was, so I guess he doesn't feel whole until he finds this love, which is a fair interpretation. It's an experimental film. Much like a lot of poetry, we're able to put our own uh, perspectives and meaning into a film. And at 15 minutes, it's not that much of a time commitment. You can basically put in what you want. And I like that. I, I, I wish, it's one of the things I really like about music videos is that it gives us an opportunity to to have some insight into what this might mean, what the, how the song might reflect that, and try to piece it together a little bit, to kind of to decode what we think or to interpret what we think the the author meant. And I think there's something valuable with that, and we don't get that in a lot of other modern-day filmmaking. What do you think? Agreed. Well, first I want to say that this is the first time I noticed it. Netflix had a new logo for this. It yes. was a beautiful... You noticed yeah. that. It was a beautiful N with a rainbow of colors. Right. And I'm pretty sure that they debuted that for this particular music video. Don't I haven't seen so? before I haven't this. seen it prior. I have not seen it prior. So I really like that. Mm-hmm. That's my observation about the whole thing. I want to say that we are... Great. Know, well, until next okay, time. Okay, yeah. That's, I just summarized my feeling. Paul Thomas Anderson, of course, directed Boogie Nights and Magnolia. And I know he directed films that you're particularly uh, fond of. I like Punch Drunk Love. Love. I know. I know. Uh, some of the other stuff I'm not as crazy about. Right. And I know this is an experimental film. I want to say it was sure beautiful to look at. Mm-hmm. It was dazzling to the eye. But beyond that, okay, here's a pet peeve of mine. This is going to be a generational thing. And the fact that I'm twice your age is going to, sh- is going to show right now. I need to understand the lyrics. Mm. And not just this, but when we do our top five, because I know what your top five are, and I need to hear the words, and sometimes it's here for me, to, hard for me to hear the words and then apply it to the visual. I need that connection. Am I an old fart to say that? Is this no, I, I, I don't think it has to be has to do with being an I, old fart. 
I can appreciate what I you're saying. I couldn't understand the lyrics, and I, that would help me, I thought, supplementing with a visual image, and it would make more sense that those two elements would come together. But I couldn't understand what the words were saying, but with a visual interplay, I was getting it, at least I was interpreting it my own way, that we had a very um, uh, uh, dysfunctional, what's that word for the future where it's really morbid? And dystopian? That's it, dystopian. Uh, future. And um, I think whenever you put a bunch of people in jumpsuits and they all look very <laughs> dour, all of a sudden we're like, okay, and when dystopia. they all move the same way as right. if they're going up a hill when the camera's really crock. All right, 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 right. And then when he finds love in the last third and they do this beautiful dance together and looping around each other and then there's love and contentment and everything suddenly makes sense. At least that's what I got out of the movie. It was beautiful to look at. But it was, again, more about our alienated society. At least that's how I was taking it. Yeah, I think so. And I'm not sure if it was a particularly fresh idea, but it was sure impressive to look at. I think I think in addition to that, there's, uh, I don't know. I don't think Tom York is a very good actor, and there needed to be a little bit of acting going on. I could see him trying to, to be, I don't know, it... I understand it's a kind of a music video, but even like when he's running, his sense of urgency, the way he runs, it doesn't feel sincere. It doesn't feel like there's a real reason to run. It feels, uh, I don't know, like I'm watching Weird Al Yankovic try to run or something. And it just seems like he's all elbows and knees. <laughs> what the fuck are you doing? Uh, so there's... It's kind of an older dude, isn't he? Also, with his face was yeah, and also his eyes were a little bit. Oh, his eye that was from he has a drooping eye because of his yes. surgery when he was younger. No, seriously? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a. Was it also in Greta when I noticed her eye with that other actress? Remember that I said yeah. Charlie's got a wandering eye, and here also this lead singer. Well, you're staring eye, at it. It's I was impossible it was not just to like notice. Off, his eye was off for me. Yeah, and I wonder if that was a conscious he choice. Had an off eye. Was that something P.T. Anderson asked for when he's no. directing? No, that's, no, that's the way the actor really is. But the man bun as well, where he's got this shitty hairstyle yeah what's what, up with that come on what's trying too hard yeah let's cut your hair dude yeah it's trying get a hair cut you hippie yeah there you go that's it uh, it shows the oppressiveness of modern life the alienation of our society and that you're not whole and complete you complete me and did you like this i don't know i was dazzling to the eye it was would you recommend this to someone it would depend on who i'm talking to mm. probably not no i don't probably think so not. either but I thought you... If someone saw it, I think it's worth a, a brief conversation. But the problem is they... I feel really bad because these are people that have slaved over the music and assembled this together. Uh, you know, you've got a, a crew of people, a team of dancers that put an enormous amount of time and yeah. effort into this film and all to create this 15-minute, uh, you know, beautiful experience that we're basically looking at going, I don't know, I'm unimpressed. <laughs> And I feel bad saying that. That sounds awful. It sounds unappreciative of other people's effort and their work. Uh, but it, it ultimately won't have a long-lasting impact no, on it me. Won't. But maybe it won't. I'm not their core audience. I don't know. I'm sure you are. Actually, you are the right demographic for this. I should I be. So. I should be the one that, that's really looking at this. And, yeah. and what I really appreciate is that they are trying to, to say something. They're trying to advance a dialogue that's not happening in other cinematic ways. Uh, means and uh, mediums, I should say. Uh, you know, I, we, this whole podcast is based on films that aren't the typical Hollywood crap, and this isn't your typical Hollywood crap. The only problem becomes when you start examining some of that. It's going to be all right. It's crap. It's just not Hollywood crap. And you know, this is made by very 
powerful people in their respective worlds. You know, Tom York is one of the most powerful people in music, and P.T. Anderson is one of the most powerful people in filmmaking. Yeah. And they chose to do something that was not typical, not narrative. It was uh, very abstract. And I don't know how, how impactful it was. Agreed. Agreed. I appreciate it. I'm glad I saw it. Yeah. I am glad I saw it. But um, I wouldn't recommend it to my I won't watch no. it again. No. There's no need there's to. There's no need to. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, and, and, I, and I wouldn't even say it's a failure. I think they did what they set out to do. Right. It did what it was supposed to do. There's our catchphrase again. It's true. Yeah. It was ultimately, I think, simplistic in its message. I do. Yeah, yeah. I could see that. Oppressive society, love is the answer. At least that's my interpretation. I feel like even with, with lyrics to some songs, it, I, I, I've always said this, it's about coding things. If things are, okay, like a, a Boy Named Sue, the Johnny Cash song, that song is not coded at all. You understand exactly what's going on. It is literally about a boy whose father names him Sue. He grows up. He's... He has to fight. So there's no real coding. I love that involved. you use, tell us, the, help me with the word coding. Well, what I mean is like it's encoded, right? So um, the, the artist would wrap things into a code. A that hidden, is hidden agenda? Well, they're trying to say of, something. Uh, that's what I think about poetry. Poetry is about right. the subtext. What are you trying to say? Right, right. And I could just come straight forward and say it, but there's a beauty in having your audience decode it for themselves. Right. There is, and, and, and when they decode, maybe uh, a phrase could be interpreted two different ways, and, or maybe even three different ways. And you're going, oh, wow, that's really cool because that line could mean three different things and it all works here. Oh, wow, that was a beautiful way of turning the phrase. But Do you know was, what I mean? Of course I know what you mean, but was that evident in this? No, no I think this one was coded too hard where people are going, oh, I'm not sure exactly what they're going for. I think it's this, but I don't know. And some people like that. Some people appreciate having... Ambiguity. Ambiguity. Uh, but I think most people want the challenge of uns of solving a puzzle, so to speak. Uh, so to decode. But they, they want... Okay, if you're going to put together a jigsaw puzzle, you want it to look pretty by the time you're done. You don't want to put a jigsaw puzzle... I take put the jigsaw puzzle together and then it go you say well I'm not sure if all the pieces actually fit or if I just forced them to fit or not the effort has to pay off yes and I don't think the effort pays off Agreed. here yeah. you have too much abstraction yeah. and not enough um, direction in a certain way yeah agreed agreed money so yeah money shots <sighs> I, I think uh, I, there's there's some shots at the beginning of them falling asleep on the train. Yeah. I think that would probably yeah. stay in my mind. Yeah, it was a cool beginning, wasn't it? Yeah. It stayed with me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, them climbing. There's a, a big slanted wall, a big yeah. white wall that a lot of the dancers were kind of dancing up. I think that's uh, that's going to be in there. Yeah. But that's I th kind I of... I think they just cocked the camera. <laughs> yeah, I think so, yeah, too. We figured that out. I, I think that's got to be your money shots, too, because there, was, there weren't very many shots in this to really that were different than that, right? right I mean, there right. were a couple others that were around. I think it was Prague. I think I saw in the credits, that's where they shot this. So maybe a couple of city shots around Prague, but that's basically all you're looking at in terms of shots. I think there were some uh, cave-like areas as well that they had some projections that were going on in the background. Um, but that was about it. Right. That makes it sound so simple and, and unworthwhile. Right. And I don't mean for it to sound that way, but... 
Well, actually, you do because it reflects your feeling about the film. Yeah, I just so you, I, you I, I do want mean more. for it to sound that way, but you were wanting more, right? Yeah. I think my money shot. I, I'm embracing your two. In addition to that, it's when he finally meets her, and it's almost it's quite beautiful against a brick wall where they twirl, mm. they spiral in and out of each other. Right. And it's it's a lovely scene, and it's somewhat opera ballet. It's it's. It, it's interpretive the, dance almost yes yeah and it was really a lovely beat for me i like that not for a money shot for me i did like too in that moment they seemed to be having fun and you could almost see the smile on yes. their face and the connection was real between there was them. a yes i like that i got that smile i saw that smile and it felt good to see and for my criticism of his acting i didn't feel like he was acting in that scene right. it felt like he was coming alive right right so uh, for what it is, if you are a fan of Tom York, if you're a fan of P.T. Anderson, this is definitely a watch. Uh, it's 15 minutes. It's not that big of a time commitment. And it's good, uh, it, it, it's, especially if you like abstract short film I- ideas. You were talking about liking lyrics. Um, let, me, let me change the subject for just a second. Do you remember the um, Bob Dylan video where he's standing in the alleyway holding the lyrics to his song and he's flipping down the cards do you remember this i don't oh man go ahead go ahead tell it there's a real famous video it's like one of the earliest music videos and i can't recall what song it was from but it's him standing in this alleyway and he's just flipping down like he's got big poster boards and he's got all the lyrics printed on it uh one of the best parody videos I've ever seen is Weird Al Yankovic did a song called Bob and it was done about Bob Dylan uh, in Bob Dylan style and he did the same thing he did the same scene and he stands in the alleyway and he flips down the cards but here's what's interesting is that Bob is a palindrome and every single lyric for the entire song is a palindrome and it's like you'll have this card and it'll be like uh, tell us what a palindrome is the same thing backwards same thing backwards backwards and forwards so uh, you know, it'll be like, uh, I'm a lasagna hog or something like that. And it, it'll be, and I, I don't think that's what it is. Go go hang a salami. I'm a lasagna hog. That's one of them that just pops out of my mind. So that whole thing is a palindrome. Go hang a salami. I'm a lasagna hog. That's right. That's a palindrome. And he just sits there listing a palindrome after palindrome after palindrome in Bob Dylan's style. And the the video parodies that, and all the lyrics are there. So you were saying that you don't like lyrics. I wonder if something like that, where they're showing you the lyrics, if that would be more hmm. impactful, or if that actually somewhat. Oh, hurts you're your saying message. if they're superimposed on the screen? Is that well, his wasn't superimposed. That was part Caption, of the whole. That was part of it. Is organically yeah. connected, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that would certainly help me. And that's that's always been an issue with me with contemporary music. And I need to hear the words, see the words, and it would help me, I think, appreciate the song. And if it's accompanied with a video, I think it would supplement. Well, with this movie, with Anima, uh, the I actually watched it with the subtitles on. And the subtitles did have the lyrics, the lyrics in the song. Yeah. I'd like to watch it again now. Let's turn on right now so I can watch it with the lyrics. <laughs> and I think what was interesting, too, is seeing the lyrics up there, I could see what Tom York was singing. And he does not articulate all of his words. So some of the words get chopped off and he doesn't finish certain sounds. So it's hard to tell what he's saying. I am not surprised to hear you say, I didn't really get everything he was saying because it's hard to hear. That would have helped me. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Money shots. And so... I said mine. Did you have any of yours? I just added that third one about the twirling against the wall. That was just a lovely sequence. Is it anti-wave? Is it anti-wave? Who's going to go first? Should we first talk about why it is? We flip it. Or do you want to say why it's not? Uh, it is anti-wave. This is... 
Look, it's a short film. Uh, that's true. It's uh, there is no direct narrative. I mean, even though we follow a character, it's experimental in nature. Um, it takes place in a fucked up future, right? Alienation. Uh, yeah, uh, I suppose. I mean, I think there's other Hollywood films that would do that too. But I get what you're saying. Uh, I mean, there, there's no line that spoke. No one says a single line. So that's interesting. Yeah. I, I mean, when you start looking at it from that end, this definitely is um, non-traditional Hollywood. Now, if you want to start including Hollywood music videos into the mix, I still would say this is more uh, avant-garde. You okay? Yeah, I'm fine. My cell phone is ringing into my ear through my hearing aid. Oh. You don't hear it, but I do. I just heard it through your headphones. Did you hear it through the headphones? So I'll be fine another 12 seconds. You kind of wing it now for 12 seconds, and I'll jump right in in nine more seconds. Listen to how loudly you're talking to try to talk I know. over I your am. hearing aid. That's very interesting. Okay, just stop. <laughs> now I'll go back to being my normal self. Oh, I'm man. Back. You got me back. Was I talking louder? I was. Remember, I said I before the show heated up, I said, is your phone on it mute? It is off. No, it is off, but it still will go into my hearing aid. You'll notice the phone itself didn't ring, uh. but wirelessly it went to my ear, even when it is. Can't you double muted. tap your, your ear hearing aid and make it go to voicemail or something? Wait, you're right. If I had just touched this button twice, then it would turn off. Yeah. And I would have solved that problem, but then I would need to turn it on in 30 seconds. Oh. I could have done that. I'm still learning from you. You're still my mentor. At any rate... My tormentor. Okay. I think this movie is really anti-wave. This is one of the more anti-wave well, films that we've seen. Yes, it is for all the reasons that you listed. All right. That How we listed. Not? A happy ending. It is was, there? Yes. Yes. Uh, it's love at know. the end. It is love... Oh, they it's, get on a train. Yeah. I saw it as looping. I saw it as kind of the beginning was the end. It begins with them on the train. They're on the train together, and then they separate, and then they're back together at the end. On the train. Yeah. Don't you think that's an emotional swell? I think there's an emotional I think swell. For, for that, that, That's why I'm saying that's my only reason for it not being anti-wave. Okay. That it is guy with girl, break up, guy gets girl back. Did they break up? I don't know. But they became he became alienated. But then back together, there was a meshing. There was a meshing at the end. And that's a traditional Hollywood trope. Uh, yeah, yeah. I know. I, that, to me, that's not a big one. I'd, I'd say if I'm going to give this a score, I'd probably give this a nine. Eight. eight. I was going to say eight. eight. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I could handle eight. If you were to give it less okay. than uh, no. six, I'd, no. I'd no, have I'm I was just trying words. to come up with one reason why it's not anti-wave. Yeah, I'd say come up with. nine. No, I'm still hovering at 8.3. Okay. And I again, I want to reiterate, I like that A, Netflix is doing this. Absolutely. Uh, with recognizable directors and stars or you know uh, music musicians and they're giving it some prominent placement on their platform i really really appreciate that uh you know a lot of these newer studios i, I put that in, into quotes air quotes here with netflix and amazon and hulu they're taking chances they're this is why Warner Brothers and Sony and Paramount, this is why their fate is sealed. They're doomed to keep repeating the same bullshit tentpole uh, experience. And they're going to get beat by these other up-and-coming studios Absolutely. because they're not innovating. That's right. It's the same thing in any other business or industry. You, if, if This lack of innovation is going to be your downfall. Right. And they're, they're going to be playing catch-up. Uh, you know, even Disney, they're trying to accumulate all this back catalog stuff of 
Star Wars and uh, and Muppets and you know all of that and and that's good they they they'll survive longer and they're coming out with their own streaming service right and so they're trying to to block off everybody from it but if right. they don't innovate they too will fall right right it's you've just got to keep going you got to keep pushing and this is Netflix doing what it does it's saying we've got a big war chest we've got a lot of money let's let's go make a music video why the fuck not absolutely we could do whatever that we want yeah. And these time frames too of of the traditional film being uh, or TV show even being twenty two minutes or thirty eight minutes or forty two minutes with commercials, and now we see stuff on HBO going it's it's one hour long or an hour seven or fifty two minutes. It's who cares? We'll just make it as long as it needs to be. And HBO is innovating as well, and they're starting to come up with interesting ideas. Right. So now my question is, do you think that NBC and Paramount and Universal, do you think they're A, aware of this? And do you think that they're having discussions in the boardroom I doubt about that. how to fight back and keep it fresh? Are they aware of the movie we're discussing? Or are they aware of the fact the that phenomena, the phenomena, the change? I don't think that they'll be aware of it until the writing is on the wall. No one wants to innovate while it's on their clock because if they innovate and it fails, then that's egg on their face. If they innovate and it wins, that's great. But the chances are, but if they keep doing what's, what's happening, they can play it safe. You know, they don't have to worry about being singled out for doing, for having a bad idea. If they, if they innovate and it fails, they're gone. If they innovate and they win, right. If they innovate and it does well, they'll they'll stay. Yeah. But if they keep doing what they're doing, they'll stay. So all they got to do is just keep doing what they're doing. If they keep doing what they're doing, they'll stay? Yeah. No, the, the, they won't get fired. I mean, right. you know, the CEOs, they're not going to get fired for continuing right. to make three camera sitcoms right. and, and typical uh, three-act structure films. Just keep making the same shit that everybody else has made. And they just they put the business in the entertainment business. And there's a need for that. I'm not saying don't do it, but I'm saying to not yeah, yeah there still is an audience for sure that. absolutely and i don't think that audience is necessarily dying out you no, know i think it'll there'll but, still be a need is a funny word but there'll be a segment of our society that's on board for that ride always there's escapism right. people right. want that escapism. Yeah. Mm-hmm. but i think what's telling is that netflix can do both uh netflix is able to serve both masters and be able to say Hey, if you want that, we've got plenty of that kind of stuff. That stuff's easy for us to make. We also have some more innovative stuff done by artists who truly have a, a, an interesting message, and it's hard for you to decode, to use my term from earlier. Anyway. Yeah, good. That's what I think. And so watch it for the uh, the new Netflix logo. <laughs> so I'd love that you noticed that also. Yeah. Who died this week? Who died this week? Got to tell you, unfortunately, must the falling people, they done turned to dust. I want to acknowledge the falling people last week who've died in the entertainment industry. Paul Benjamin, Google this guy, 81-year-old American actor. He did so much work from, he did everything from Midnight Cowboy to Do the Right Thing. Mm. A lot of films. And I did go out of my way to see what he had done. It's pretty impressive. Uh, Paul Benjamin, dead at 81. Sid Raymond, R-A-M-I-N, 100 years old, American composer. And he did... uh, he actually he won the Oscar for West Side Story. Oh wow! How the about composer. that? A composer, music composer, and um, 
even though the other two people composed the music for the Broadway, he took it and made, it was a film composer. He adapted it and won the Oscar in 1962 uh, for, for West Side Story. We lost a 50, an 89-year-old French cinematographer, Pierre Lamont. Pierre Lamont. And Lamont. He did French films. However, a couple of them were distributed in our country, so I want to acknowledge them, including Cyrano de Bergerac and Lovers Like Us. That was a film that was shown here, and he died. And uh, also, Kirk Douglas died also. It happened earlier this morning. I don't know if you know aware of this, but uh, he did lots of movies. He was kind of an important guy. Yeah, kind of. So, so he's dead. However, he's not getting that Spotlight <laughs> Award. No, no, no. Sorry, Kirk, he ain't getting it. The Silver Spotlight Award goes to... Artie Johnson. Now listen, you're going to go, what? And of course, we associate him with laughing. Yeah. He did do quite a few, he's 90 years old, by the way. American comedian and actor, Rona Martin's laughing. He won Emmy. a lot of old people who died this week, by the way. You know, you're right. I get comfort in that. There's no <laughs> one in their late 60s or 70s who died. Um, he was in films including The President's Analyst, Love at First Bite. He was in Cannonball Run 2. So he did do movies. And I think it's more of an emotional selection on my end to give him the Silver Spotlight Award. 90 years old. Yeah. Well, good life. Very interesting. You know, you remember that, don't you? Mm-hmm. Did you? Yeah. I actually used to watch a lot of laughing. Did you? Yeah. Yeah. And remember with Ruth Buzzy, when she would hit him with a purse when he was a dirty old man, a yeah. perv. But he was known for... I remember my dad used to imitate him and go, very interesting. It became a buzzword, right. obviously. Okay. Good. Filmed in uh, beautiful downtown Burbank. That's right. Beautiful down, like they used to say. Are, yeah. Aren't you impressed that I used to watch a lot of laughing? I'm impressed with your knowledge of references with specifics, and especially considering your your age, that you know a lot of stuff. Uh, and I'm always blown away by that. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I didn't have a thing for Goldie Hawn, but I was intrigued by watching her. She was kind of... She was hot. Yeah. Well, I like the way she danced in a bikini. She was funny. She was funny with the ditzy, the ditzy thing. Yeah. And it was fun the way the camera would zoom in and out of her dancing in a bikini and da-da-da. But, you know, Goldie, she's still with Kurt. Not married. Never married. But happy together. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, man, you want to do some top five? Top five and hit it, Vern. It's time to give a listen, you little creeps, to our top five. Our top five of this week is top five music videos. Okay. Now... I at your request, yep. I went out of my way to watch your. You guys gave me how many? Did you give me like eight or nine. Yeah, eight or nine. And of course, I wanted to rewatch my five. Uh huh. So this has been, and of course, we did our primary video. So it's been quite a few videos the last couple of days. Yeah, man. And you watched mine as well. Yes, that's good. Yeah. And um, and we're gonna differ. We're not gonna overlap. This, we should all. say it's interesting because this is the one time that we've actually shared our top five before we did our top five. So we, we would know what to watch. Why? We don't usually person. do that. We don't usually do that. The reason I really wanted you to, to watch some of mine because I knew I was going to be mentioning stuff and you'd just be staring into into the abyss going, what the fuck are you talking about? That was about? really a good idea at your end to tell me to do that. Yeah, and uh, Because usually right. if there's one or two movies that are like that out of the top five, it's not a big deal. But if it's all five... But I knew you had seen And you know that I didn't see any of the eight or nine you gave me. Right, This is the right. first time I ever saw them. Boy, do our lists differ. I mean, they <laughs> really do. Um, well, they differ a lot by even just the decade. Yeah. I, I have this theory that music videos in the 1980s, that was the golden era... But then in the late 90s, early 2000s, it was like the platinum era where, uh, especially with electronic music, filmmakers were given a budget to go make music videos. There was still a little bit of MTV that was airing music videos that would allow them television time, uh, but there were no lyrics. And so they could really get very avant-garde and experiment with 
how are you going to show this this idea or this concept? And it was a way for filmmakers to basically make student films, essentially. I mean, Roman Coppola, a lot, Spike Jones, a lot of these filmmakers that we we look at today who've made these great feature length films cut their teeth absolutely. on music videos. Absolutely. So uh, it's it's a great way to kind of experiment and get stuff out there. Anyway. What do you got? You go yeah, You're number five. It's interesting, too, that among my five, as far as uh, directors, you know, I have John Landis directed one. I'm sure right. you know, Brian De Palma directed one. Mm. So there you go. So of my top five, I want to emphasize, and you're right in what you just said, because all five of my videos are in the mid-1980s. Right. 85, 87, 85, 84, and 83. Boom. And that was a time with MTV, and it was just, it was the thing. And we were just memorized to watch. That's when MTV used to make... We used to air music videos. They well, don't do that any. They, I think they do it like some off hour, but they right. had to create a whole other channel, MTV Two, just to That's do music right. videos. That's right. And then even that stopped uh, playing videos, and it, even that started to show real world reruns and things like that. So okay, and I want to emphasize that this is my personal favorite. And again, I've made this argument before. A lot of it. Robert is is what was going on in my life personally when I was exposed to these things. You know, mm-hmm. how can that not affect? There isn't a lot of terrible objectivity all the time when it comes to these things. And it was just a golden age of music videos. So mine are going to be different, not necessarily socially relevant, but just favorites, man. Just plain old outright favorites. Who's going to go first? You go first. Go ahead. All right, number five, 1985. Money for Nothing. Yeah. Dire Straits. You're familiar with Dire Straits. I oh, yeah. like them a lot. They yeah. did the music to a little film. I don't think you've seen it called Local Hero. I no, love I that movie. film. And they did the music. That's when I first noticed them. And it was the way it was shot was so innovative and uh, with the rotoscope technology. And again, this was 85 before the computer. No, you're talking about Dire Straits or yes. you're talking about the... Uh, money for Nothing. Okay. Yeah, about that particular video. No, I'm sorry. That's what I meant. Yeah. The, uh, money for Nothing. I right. didn't know if you... No, meant talking, the, the movie. Oh, no, I'm not talking about Local Hero anymore. Money for Nothing. And with Dire Straits, it's a cool song. And um, uh, you get money for nothing and the chicks are free. Hmm. And famous because that actually says the word faggot. Yeah, you know that. Yeah. See, this is another example because I watched it again last night to be familiar with it. And it didn't have that. There's two versions of that. Oh. And it did have, as you know, was that aired though on MTV? Yeah, word back in the day it was. Yeah. Yeah, and faggot was being used not as the British term for a cigarette, but it was really meant as look at that faggot over there. So it was uh, it was very daring, but it was dazzling to the eye to look at and um, and moving those uh, microwave ovens and the MTV. Got to yeah, well, got, the burly. There's a story that I was reading. Got to about, move these refrigerators. Got to move these microwave ovens. Yeah. Yeah, and there's the story that the director, supposedly, the no, the lyricist who did the Dire Straits lead, was overhearing workers at a department store saying, we got to sell these color TVs. That's the story. Is it stuff of legend? I don't know. But um, obviously, too, it's a slam on capitalism, consumerism, buying stuff. Right. And why don't you just become a rock and roll star, son? So that was the subtext of that. That's my number five. It's a great video. It Thank really you. is. It's wonderful. Thank you. Um, my number five is from 1999. This is the most abstract of all the ones that I put on my list. Uh, it's a music video by a band called Death in Vegas, and the video is called Dirt. And it's probably the one that I think you enjoyed. I'm going to bet you enjoyed the least out of what I sent you. You know what I wrote my notes? What? I have Dirt, Death in Vegas, what the fuck? <laughs> I literally wrote that down. That's that's all I wrote down. Yeah, what the fuck? It, yeah. 
it's kind of it's black and white, but also little uh, sprigs of color throughout. It's a very weird uh, mood, I guess, is really the. The, the only way to describe it. The director is a French uh, fashion photographer and it's just very abstract images. Uh, it's, it's meant to kind of unsettle. Uh, yeah. What do you think? What Not you just say? abstract, but I also, I also wrote the word disturbing images. Mm-hmm. That's what I wrote down. Disturbing images. Yeah. <laughs> I love this well, video. Well, I know. And Robert, this is what surprises me about, because you do like, you like playful and whimsical things as well. Yeah. And you really do. And you embrace that stuff. And now you've got this, this fucked up video that's well-made and disturbing as hell. And you're putting that as your number five. Yeah. All-time favorite. I It might actually be one of my, one of my <laughs> very favorites, but I, I just feel like there's better videos that are out there. But this is... Uh, it's so it just it's a texture and that's really what it is it it could not sustain a an hour and a half long it's it's meant for music video do you know what i mean like if if you watched an hour and a half of this you'd go away with psychological problems but well then okay this is going to beg my big question that i was looking forward to asking you about if indeed we feel these are movies mm-hmm. what's the story What's the There's story? There's no story here. It's that abstract. Does, now, can it still be a movie? Because yeah. we talked about it's a movie without a story, but is it a feeling? Maybe that's yeah. what it is. That's I'm it? calling it a texture. It's abstract right, for right, sure. Right. There's, there is no narrative here. Right. It, and I, generally speaking, don't like, I shouldn't say I don't like, I don't think those videos are as powerful as the more narrative concepts. Um, and that's the only one that I have on this list that is that way. But there are some beautiful, beautiful videos that are just texture. And and I think this is a, my favorite of right. those. Because you, Robert, I know you quite well. And you are, you know, with your background in speech communication and dramatic monologues, that you're very story-oriented. Yeah. Thesis, theme, what's the argument that's posed in this piece? That you, you, you're built that way. That's yeah. an important part of you. Yet at the same time, you can get swept away by... Uh, feeling yeah yeah and this is visuals mm-hmm. this is just visual feeling and i think it does it, yeah. it showing kids well, it, oh with, it does it. with like fucked up teeth and stuff and it's, yeah. it's this yeah. is very weird i mean this is kind of like if you've ever seen the nine inch nails video for closer a lot of that has some this is a mark romanek music video it's very very uh it's got a lot of abstract disturbing imagery and this is very similar in that kind of, same kind of vein i love what the fuck disturbing images that's I, what i wrote you i knew, knew, you knew that this would be the one that you liked the least. Yeah, yeah. All right. And you're right. <sighs> we know each other too well. Nine number four, you're going to... I don't know if you're going to give me a hard time. Okay. I, I, we'll find out. 1987, Whitney Houston's I Want to Dance with Somebody. Now, it's... it's, it's I want to dance with somebody. Can you feel the... And the way she goes, feel the heat. With, I love the way she goes up on the word <laughs> heat every time she sings that song. Um, it's a bubblegum song. It's mm-hmm. cute and it's simple and it's a feel-good and there's something about when I watched that video in 1987, and that was before she became all coked out, when she was like drop-dead adorable, and the images are very shiny where she's in different brightly colored dresses, you know, with the red and the purple and all the imagery changes around her. And that would always make me smile. And I remember staying home on a Friday night by myself, no date that night, putting up that video and I would get close to the screen and watch it. And she wants and to dance with somebody. Damn right! And she wants to dance with somebody. I always say, Whitney, I- I'll dance with you. Yeah, she not needs- not you, Jew boy. <laughs> Sit back down. <laughs> T 
Tease me if you're gonna. That's my number four. I'm not gonna tease. You're really I not. No, that. I thought you would. And no. you're gonna give me a hard That's time. That's sweet, man. It is. It's a bubble gum. Yeah. But it's feel good. And these are favorites. Yeah, I get you. My number four, uh, going from. <laughs> going from the innocuous that's the word you're looking for right from the innocuous to the to to prob- <laughs> this is one of the most incredible videos i've ever seen uh i actually had to show it to ira right before we started recording from 2014 okay go had a video called i won't let you down okay go is known for having incredible music videos but this one i won't let you down is uh the umbrella video where Love it. it's uh, a bunch of japanese schoolgirls yes opening yes. and closing umbrellas yes, yes. but it's still incredibly choreographed. Yes, and it's just it's a amazing in one shot. Let's it, mention that it was it's all, all one, one drone shot. It's incredible. And, uh, if you ever get, if you haven't seen it, go check out. Okay, go. I won't let you down. Uh, it's it's shot just a little bit. It's undercranked so that it, the action is sped up just a little bit. Uh, so they have a little bit more time to make sure that everybody's on the right rhythm. <sighs> right. It's pretty incredible. It's it? incredible. We watched like five of them before we started recording. And okay, I, go videos. okay, go okay, go videos. I'm I'm begging our listeners to Google okay, go and just look at all of them. They're yeah. real creative and innovative. Um, there are others that are flashing through my mind. One was in a zero gravity jet plane. Yeah. And, and another one with, it sounds crazy, but with these printers, computer printers shooting out, spitting out paper, paper, but it's so coordinated with the colors. You've, you've got to see it. Robert, kudos to you. Thanks, man. That's it's real- like kudos to OK Go. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I mean, they're the ones that they spend months and months and months on their music videos, always trying to, uh, to top themselves. And, um, they're a great live show. I've seen them live several times. Tons of confetti. And they do a really sweet thing in the middle of... It's a big rock show. And they'll do this thing in the middle of their show where they'll just stop and they'll come out and they'll give some um, like flashlights to audience members and they'll they'll bring out a box into the middle of the, the audience, into the middle of the audience. And they'll just stand in the middle of the audience and do like a, a two or three song mini acoustic set where they just play some songs standing in the middle of the audience on this big wooden box and everybody holds the lights so that you can see them and and people just holding these floodlights and they just play two or three songs acoustically and just kind of break it down and and you're standing right next to them it's a really sweet idea and a great great live show a great great video show they have apps where you can play along with them uh that's so cool everybody downloads an app and you play part of the song with them it's really incredible uh, if you if you don't know OK Go, uh, and you if you don't like them, even if you don't like their music, it's, it'll make you it's smile. Infectious. It'll yeah. make it'll make you smile. That's yeah. it. So just for the record, this is coming from the same the same partner of mine with OK Go and uh, Death in Vegas Dirt. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what's your number? My three? number three. We're on Dancing in number three. Dancing, Dancing in the Dark, nineteen eighty four with Bruce Springsteen. He looks so young. Didn't the boss look young when you watch that? Brian De Palma directed this, and it's it's an infectious song. It's so simple. It's simply shot, no razzle-dazzle stuff. I read up on it. They He did the song two times for two different nights. They extracted the best of all. And a little piece of trivia, that, of course, as we all know, is Courtney Cox, a young Courtney Cox at the end where he pulls. Now, this pulls is interesting. Yeah, pulls her up and dances with her at the close. Um, Brian De Palma had the, the foresight, the awareness to not tell Bruce Springsteen that she was an actress in New York. Oh. And this is really clever, because if they told that to Bruce, this is a paid actress who's done limited stuff on Broadway and stuff, that it wouldn't, it wouldn't, and all they said to her is, what she's an adoring fan. And that's really smart. 
That makes sense to me. Yeah. That he'd be I more into that. the moment. Yeah. I looked up that and it makes sense that the director would have the wherewithal to say that. You don't want to tell your lead singer, oh, she's an actress. She's getting paid for this. She's done other stuff. No. Let the illusion be while filming. This is someone who's just apeshit over you and the group and she's begged to be in it. And that I think comes, I think that transcends at the end of the video. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's really incredible. Yeah. I didn't know that. Thanks, buddy. My number three is from a band called uh, The Chemical Brothers and the song is called Electro bank now this was directed by sophia coppola uh yeah i didn't know that yeah oh is this sophia or roman coppola i think it was sophia coppola yes this was sophia uh so if you remember this one this is the gymnastics video did you see this one oh yeah i sure did this is a great narrative and it's to me okay so let me let me set it up it's a Oh, man, how do, how do you how do I help me out here, Ira? Well, it's a gymnastics tournament. Yeah, and it's a girl going through her routine and doing quite well until kind of like Carrie Struggs, where yes, she hurts herself. I wrote down Carrie. I wrote down Robert. And she C. hurts her ankle. Oh wait, just a minute. Yet another reference from the Olympics in Atlanta. Yeah, twenty years ago. Something like that. 96, I, I want to say. There you go. And she hurt herself and she was in excruciating pain. Right. Yet she, Robert, she you, did you know, it. Man. She still finished it. And that was when her coach, remember her coach? And she screamed out her name afterwards. Yeah. And, and she did it. She, um, What's the expression when you, you nail the last bit? There's she, a word for that. She stuck, stuck it. it. It's, it's she called stuck the landing. She stuck the landing. And, um, and then it was over. And then she collapsed in pain right because her set was over and then she collapsed in agony you know that oh yeah i how could you not know that so many people don't know that any rate i don't mean to take this away from you but yes i flashed on her while watching this this is the local uh high school equivalent of that moment right it's a floor routine it's not the same thing that carrie struggs did but it's uh it's a girl who's going through routine there's a snotty blonde girl who <laughs> just finishes her routine beforehand you already know that she's the villain and she's you know just looking with that that snide yeah. uh, shitty grin when oh, it's such a great video the music really backs up the uh the action that's happening um it's for an electronic band that you know puts out electronic dance music this is such a great video. It doesn't really play to ravers or anything like that. This is it's just watching a girl go through her gymnastics routine. The part with the ribbon is really fucking incredible, don't you think? Do you yeah. remember this where she's got the sure yeah. little ribbon that yeah. she's twirling? Yeah. And gymnastics always impresses me. I like watching that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And not just because of the scantily clad women who are jumping around and doing things, but I, I do appreciate that as an Olympic event. I don't understand the title... Of the song? What does that word mean? Oh, I, I I think it's just like a bank of electronics that they're using to make right. the song. I, the the video really does not have anything to do with That's right. the song. That's right. It's just kind of using the music to, like as if she was doing her floor routine to this song. She happened to be a fan of the Chemical Brothers and choreographed her routine to that song. That's really all it is. The evil girl, the blonde, reminded me of that, that ice skater, you know, who took... To what's her name? Nancy Kerrigan's mm. knee. I can't think of her name. You know who uh, I mean. And the movie that was done with her. Last I Tanya. Tanya yeah, Harding. Tanya Harding. Right. It just I flashed on that. But yes. And um, no. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wasn't Sophia Coppola? Now I got to look this up. I think that was Sophia Coppola who was doing the gymnastics. I got to look this up. I'm, okay. While you do your next one, I'm going to find out because I think it was Sophia Coppola who did the gymnastics. That's her in the video. What? Yeah, I think so. 
No. I think that's Sophia Coppola. She's not talent. She's she's not a genius. Yeah, she did gymnastics, but no, no, no. You do that. I, you, you, yeah. Robert is on that right now. And while you're doing that, I'm just going to say that again. Uh, looking at my notes, that um, Carrie, Carrie struck, and I still remember when she collapsed, screaming out in pain. And that's when she yelled out, "Bella!" Yeah. Remember that? That was the coach. He coached a lot of people, and she just screamed her name, and he came over and he carried her. Do you remember that? He picked her up and lifted her off the mat and carried her out, and uh, he carried Carrie. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, I figured this out. So, I was wrong. I was incorrect. So, Spike Jones directed the music Did he? video. Really? Yes. And his future wife, Sofia Coppola, was the girl doing it. That was Sofia Coppola in the music video. That was her. She used to do gymnastics. Wow. Yeah. I'm telling you, there's some wow. amazing stuff going on in the music video world. This is from 1997. Late 90s were the, like I said, platinum years. Wait, that was Sofia Coppola? Who, who did the gymnastics. And that was Spike Jones who directed it. And Spike Jones also, uh, you know, one one of Spike my scoops. Jones. Spike Jones did also. Did he do her, her? Yes. Yeah, he also did the Bjork music video, the uh, It's Oh So Quiet, which is one of my scoops. Oh, yeah. it's not in your five. It's not in my top five. We should say that Robert didn't give me the rating, the ranking. Right. He, uh, he only gave me a clump to watch. I was hoping that was going to be among your five. Mm. Okay, go ahead. The, but the Bjork music video as well. Spike Jones is just, he's so incredible with his music videos of uh the the stuff that he turns out is is really good did i send you i'm not sure if i sent you there's a video from a band called wax and it was a, it's a song called california it's a guy running down the street yeah. on fire yeah that's a spike jones video as well it it's is? just a guy that's on fire that's all it is and it's a really great the song's called california and it's a great kind of perspective of yes here's california just a man running down the street it, on fire Right, and, and the it, juxtaposition with the music, yes. which is kind of... Uh, and then you see the urban... De- is, that's not in your top no, five? No, it's not my top oh, five either. Wait, you're taking my favorites of your top five, and, <laughs> and they become scoops. I can't get over the fact that was Sophia. Yeah. She did Lost in Translation, yes. right? She directed... Yes. I'm kind of blown away by that. And you know, I? Lost in Translation, in part, some people say that Lost in Translation was somewhat autobiographical because she... Um, you know, uh, what's her name? Uh, uh, Scott Johansson's yeah. character was kind of modeled off of Sofia Coppola and she's there with her successful boyfriend or husband uh, who's always off busy doing stuff right. and that was supposed to be Spike Jones. Spike Jones was oh. always off doing stuff and was busy, never really had time for her. This is really interesting. I had no idea that was Sofia Coppola. Okay. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. I'm really sad right now because the other two favorites of mine became scoops of yours are not among your top five. Yeah. Hmm. All right. What's your number two? So my number two is, do you remember the group AHA? Yes. A-H-A. And Aha. Ira, I want to tell you, that was going to be one of my scoops no. as well. This video is incredible. Yes. Yeah. Before we... But when we said music videos, it was one of the first things that jumped to my mind. The sketchy drawings and the whole thing, the girl opening up the comic book and the character coming to life. This was in 1985. Yeah. You know, this was in 85 where it's just basic stuff they had to work with. And it's a cool song. It's very, very catchy. And um, I just love the the animation was so revolutionary and it was sketchy. It was raw. And and the character comes out and it's basically a love story. And of course, at the end, what she ends up, she's able to get so that they're together. Take on me. Book, take on me it's really a cool song i when i watched the video again preparing for this i just smiled it's a cool song with a very very cool 
rock music video to go. It along really with is, it. and it holds up well too. I'm really glad you were going to include that as one of yours. Yeah. that's cool. That's my number two. My number two is from a band called Prodigy. The band, the song is called "Smack My Bitch Up." Now, Ira, did you watch this? Of course I did. Did you watch it all the way through? Of course I. Yeah. Did you? Easy. Yeah. It well, wasn't easy. Well, it wasn't. Um, Do you? Re- did you see all the way through? No, I, I well, yeah. I want to make sure wait, you didn't okay. fast forward. No, any I wouldn't of it. do that to you. I wouldn't do that to us, and I wouldn't do that to our listeners. Okay, this is smash, smash, smash my, smack bitch, my up. bitch up. Yeah, uh, the whole thing with the bathroom, and then all the jarring shots, and then this the is, bar, and the dance hall. Right, we go to the dance hall. So this is. So yeah, I. This is all shot from a, a POV right. of a character right. who's like going out, beating the shit out of people, yeah. uh, doing drugs, and uh, going to a dance hall, fighting with people, getting drunk, and everything else. And then, of course, the big reveal is. What? Okay, you ready? Yeah. You're going to give me a high five. Yeah, do it. In the mirror? Yeah. It's a female. It's a girl. Are you proud of me? Yeah, bud. Are you proud of me right now? Fuck yeah. I did my homework. Yeah. And I watched it. I was jarred by that last beat. Yeah. So yes, my friend, I watched it and I got it. Go ahead. I like, first of all. That was a mind fuck. It really was. You automatically assume so much about actions. Of course. And really... When you go back and watch it, if you watch it knowing it's a female, the whole thing takes on a different tone that's of like, oh, that's the why they're kind of doing it this yeah. way. And that's why they're yelling at her and the girl's getting up in her face. And you think it's a romantic thing, but it's really like a fuck you, bitch. Yeah. You know, you can kind yeah. of almost tell what kind of fight it is. It's really an interesting video and it plays with your uh, gender assumptions. And I really like that perspective of... Uh, of, of, hey, you thought this whole thing and the whole time you thought wrong. Absolutely, and I fell for it, and I certainly thought wrong. The last shot, again, like Robert just said, it was a POV thing, uh, handheld from the perspective of the person holding the camera, and then we're in a bedroom at the end, and the camera just kind of pans over to a mirror, right. and it's a female holding the camera. Yeah. And that made me pause, pull back, and think about everything I just saw. Right. Nice. Cool. I was worried that you weren't going to watch that one all the way to the end. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Nice. Plus, it plus had some boobies in it and stuff it like did. that. No, it did. I, yeah, I got erect. Yeah. I got erect. I'm sure you <laughs> <laughs> All right. What's your number one? My number one. How can I not include this? 1983 Michael Jackson's Thriller. Yeah. This was such a social phenomenon. I was teaching high school then and the buzz and the students, everyone going apeshit over this. And this was... This is prior to all the other videos that I was mentioning. And with the jumpstart on MTV, John Landis directed this. And um, even Vincent Price, you know, has yeah. his narration throughout. And it's, 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 you know, it's 14 minutes long. Right. It's 14 minutes long. There's a long setup. And I watched all the way through. And again, I was blown away. Really impressed that it was so much... Um, Story. Can I interject something real yeah, quick? Yeah, please. Did you see Bad, the Michael Jackson video Bad? Where I he's don't in the think subway so. and it's all the guys that are like that are doing their dance routine in the subway. No. That video was Billie actually Jean. I saw Billy Jean, but yeah, not bad. Go ahead. It's similar to Billy Jean, I guess, but uh with the bad music video, Bad was directed by Scorsese and really? there it's also really long. I think it's got it's like twenty something minutes and there's a whole it's Wesley Snipes is in it. There's a whole wow. s- like a sequence of black and white footage before the music video uh, that Scorsese shot. And it's it's like there's like a whole narrative of Michael Jackson went off to college and he comes back home and he's not bad anymore. He's not, you know, all his gangster friends like, man, you used to be hardcore. Now you're up there right, right. studying with all them sissy boys and they keep making fun of him. And he finally tries to prove how bad he is. Right. So a lot of these videos really were directed by some 
prominent filmmakers and 80s and 90s were just a they really a were gold mine for that absolutely and i want to say that thriller really i'm using this word very cautiously but it uh transcended music it's, it, really it raised the bar yeah in sure. 1983 man it put the bar right up there and again i keep going back to the word story that it was the story was really well done and of course it was a music video we had the singing throughout but the setup was magnificently done terrific special effects well of course with uh, you know john landis who did american werewolf in london right so we, we saw that but it was um it, it raised the bar and for all the videos that were to come after it's how could I not have included that as my number one thriller? Yeah, I, I almost even when I think about thriller, I just remember the behind the scenes footage where they they had a famous documentary, right? And they played it on MTV yeah, all the I know. time. It yeah. felt like once a day they yes, would play this. Thing. Yes, maybe even two or three times right, a day. Right, We're constantly playing that. Nice choice, thank you, buddy. All right, and my you, number, one number one is one that again you're probably not going to like. Let me go to my number one. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Let me see what's on your list. It's from a band called Aphex Twin called Come to Daddy. This well, is I like the title. <laughs> <laughs> this is probably the most. Uh, it, it's often called the most disturbing music video of all time. This is the one with the old woman who's walking her dog in the. Uh, in the here it is. Do you do you have your notes on it? What did you write? In huge letters, I scrolled again, WTF. Just, what the... Wait, this is your number one? This is my number one. I love this music video. It's so fucked up. <laughs> your expression right now well, is great. Well, that, that old woman, it was so disturbing. It was, yes. I don't get you sometimes. Go ahead, tell it's us. It's so great. It's it's just, it's a total, like a fuck you uh, almost, but it's it's beautifully done. First of all, all right, Aphex Twin, uh, the, the artist's name is Richard D. James, and he has a very creepy-looking face. There's a whole sequence in here where they have... This woman is walking her dog, and all these kids are running around with Richard D. James's adult face, complete with stubble, his beard, and everything else, and it's really disturbing on these young kids walking around with this grown man's face on. They're wearing masks, but it's actually his face, and then a demon comes out of the... Uh, out of the television and starts screaming at this woman and, and blowing her hair back. It's it's really creepy looking. This is a great music video in my mind. It's so strange and surreal and just weird. It's fucked up. I love it. It's fucked up. I love it. Yeah. I'm really... I gravitate towards the really fucked up stuff. I think that's interesting. But at the same time, you embrace, you appreciate sweet stuff. Absolutely. You really... I mean... Um, uh, Amelie, these Yo, other movies gorgeous. that are whimsical yes. and charming, yeah. that you embrace those films as well. Yeah. Well, I don't. I think it's disingenuous to not appreciate both sides of it. I, know. I mean, if I was if I was a dark goth guy all the time and that's all I liked, it'd get kind of lame. But there's some really beautiful stuff that's out there on both sides of things. Agreed. Agreed. Sort of. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, scoops, scoops. You know, one that I'm surprised you didn't have on your list was Peter Gabriel's Sledgehammer. Do you remember that video where it's all animated? I don't know if I'm familiar with it. Oh man, they they hired all these different animators. This is from the '80s. This would have been a perfect fit for yeah. years. Uh, it's one of the best videos of all time, and they hired I think it was like 20 or 30 different animators to all put together different sequences of the video, and then they assembled it all together. It's a great music video. Uh, it's a classic. I sent you one from a band called Orbital called The Box. Yeah, I want to talk about that. Yeah. Here's what I wrote. 
Where was the box? <laughs> <laughs> okay. No. Was it the TV set? Mm, I don't know. I was trying. I'll to... tell you where the box. Where's was. the box? This this is what I mean <laughs> about about coding and decoding. The box is a metaphor. The box is the metaphor. So, first of all, did you notice the actress that was in it? It was Tilda Swinton. Really? Yeah. It was before she became famous. Is one of her early I didn't roles. Know that. So the whole concept of the music video is that she is moving very slowly. This is all time-lapsed, and she's moving very slowly in this city, and the city is moving around uh, constantly uh, at like a really breakneck pace, and she's just moving very, very slowly. And she's almost timid. She can't. She doesn't move very quickly, uh, and she's just staring at how fast everything is. Uh, flowers are decaying, and, and the traffic is moving. And I think the box is how people uh, get wrapped up in their lives, that box of their life, and they don't take time to kind of appreciate what's going on and look around. I think there's something to that. I get it. I get it. Some of your other scoops that you forced me to watch. Yeah. Tool. Yeah. Sober. No, come on. Sober. You didn't like this? Well, um, I this you can't appreciate the face. abstract, man. Yeah, I do. I, you know, I appreciate. I do get it. The monster's face with the box. It was, that uh, video, all of the animation was done by is it the the bass player or the drummer? I can't remember. But they're the band actually did the music video, all the claymation and everything else. It, it's groundbreaking. That video is incredible. Yeah, I was like, yeah, whatever. I watched them all. And I appreciate them. Now, hold on. Let's ways. talk about this one. I sent you one for a band called Daft Punk, Revolution 909. Did you see this one? Of course I did. Okay. I always do my homework. Are you, you're looking at your notes. I'm looking at my notes. This is the one where the cops bust up the rave. Here it is. And the girl looks at the guy's shirt. The red stain. And he's got a stain. And then it takes you through the history of that stain. I know, and I found it to be very fascinating. That's pretty I, cool, I, right? I was compelled by it that we saw the recipe in making the tomatoes. Yeah, and the then tomatoes the, growing, the, time lapse of them growing, yeah, and the stain. Yeah, and the yeah. stain eventually yeah. falls down yeah. onto his shirt. Yeah, and then when and then it flashes, catches back up with his time wise, and it shows her looking at this cop's stain. When he looks at the stain, she has time to escape. Yes, I got that. No, That's a pretty cool little it, idea. No lyrics. No, no lyrics. No lyrics. Yeah. See, I did my homework. Yeah. yeah. And that one was directed by Roman Coppola. Wow. I think these. What happened to the age where they would have the three lines of text with the name of the song, the director? Those didn't come up at the beginning or the end of the videos. Do you remember that? It would always be in the lower left corner or something. I think that was an MTV requirement. Yeah. So that uh, and a lot of the, a lot of videos at that time would have that. Right. But I'm not sure if it was baked in or if it was just mm-hmm. MTV putting that. Right. In. Right. Because I would have liked to have known. You yeah. know that the, the, who directed these. That I'm would, gonna that, assume that's got to be MTV putting that in because the font was always the same. Yes, it was. It was they were white letters. Yeah, and it was always the same place. Yeah, it always had that same look. And there was, I think that was an MTV signature as well. I gotta imagine that's what it was. Yeah, yeah. I would like to have known that information before seeing these videos. Sure. Yeah, that's real interesting. So yes, I watched that too with the uh, the red stain. But one of the other ones, my friend, yes. did not make your top five. Yeah. It kind of pisses me off because I is this fucking the, loved it. the Bjork one? Talk about this. Go. You talk about it. No, I wanna, I wanna it's, yours. You it's yours. It's yours. I've already been talking. You tell me. I fucking love this. <laughs> um, is she the same one who wore the swan dress yeah. at the... Um, it's it's oh so sweet. And, and there's a juxtaposition of tone where it's it's kind of mellow and and then it goes into the razzle dazzle 
and it's gloriously shot. I just, it made me smile the whole time. Why isn't that in your top five? I don't know. I mean, it's definitely up for consideration. I just like these other ones more. It's a great music video. She's, I didn't know she had that in her to be that way. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, the street stuff and dancing with people behind her. And it's it's really a catchy tune. I love the way it was going for more somber and melodramatic. Right. And then, boom, it shifts tones and goes to the right. Ra- it kept going back and forth. And the song I, is all about love. Yes. I mean, it's, it's, all, it's about the idea of falling in love and then having your heart broken and then getting back in love again. Yes. And the music really reflects that. Yes. Yeah. It's oh so sweet. I love that. Wow. Wow. There you go couple of my scoops and what do you got well, I thought, and I thought again we well there. i had a thing for blondie of course deborah oh, of harry course, yeah. well, of course and i first put down heart of glass but i decided to go with rapture mm. instead and there was something about blondie back then and she was really hot and looked like she was coked out i, I dated it. a girl who, who looked, looked like just deborah like harry blondie. yes just like her and i was always and found out later on she was always coked out but yeah she looked just like her yeah man wow what what she's doing now do you think she's listening to us? Mm, probably not. Yeah, yeah. Also, and again, this is certainly dating myself. It's my same era with my with my videos and um, the Eurythmics. Yeah. You remember the Eurythmics. Sweet Dreams. Yeah, Sweet Dreams and the other ones, Would I Lie to You? Yeah. And there's just something about the, the two of them. Uh, Annie Lennox. Yeah, and, and her solo her stuff was pretty good. Yeah, her, and she had that bass player. I forgot his name, but he was a well-known guitarist. Yeah. And they were the, wasn't the Eurythmics. Husband? Yes, they were married, they were married. for a while. See you know this stuff yeah they were they were married for quite some time and those are just my favorites <sighs> nice. wow man we did it yeah we did i like this this is a good uh podcast yeah, it was we, a we, fun time we uh shook things up a little bit yeah thanks for watching some of my favorite music videos i enjoyed it and thanks for watching my favorite absolutely music bud yeah i like what we're doing next week what are we doing we know next what we're week? Doing. I don't know the name of the documentary, uh, but I can tell you what it's about. It's called The, food- the Good, The Bad, and The Hungry. That's it. That's good. And it's about uh, those food-eating competitions. Right. Yeah. So this is a new documentary it. put up by 30 for 30 about uh, Joey Chestnut and the, uh, the Hot Dog Eating Championship. So we're going to watch that next week uh, in honor of 4th of July, even though 4th of July was last week. Oh, that's why you... I yeah. didn't link it with Fourth oh, of July. Oh, you didn't July. get that? I didn't make that connection. Oh, yeah. And that's why you were suggesting, yeah. It'd be more timely to do I this. Understand. Week, but it's all right. We're already okay. late, so fuck it. Yeah. Uh, but next week, we're going to watch that movie and review that. So if you haven't checked that out already, go ahead and watch it. And uh, that's going to be good. Yeah. Amen. Well, should, I don't know. If, should we thank producer Joey? Thanks, she's producer not, Joey. For, for, she what, get everything she's right? the, where, where is she? What? She, she's not even in the room. She took care she of She took the, the crying baby out of here. Yeah. Let's yeah. give her a little round of applause. Thank you, producer Joey. All right, as for us, if uh, you have some music videos that we didn't mention, then feel free to send those over our way. You could send us an email to robert at antiwavepodcast.com or uh, and slash or ira at antiwavepodcast.com. Or you can send a message through Twitter and Instagram. Our handle there is at antiwavepod. We're all over the place, aren't we, Robert? Uh, you have a different place. I love the way somebody. you interpret that. <laughs> And you also interpreted it that way last time about being all over the place means you're scattered. Yeah. You were playing with that last week and yeah. I figured that way. Well, we're not all. Well, we are. We're all over the place. Not we're all over the place. Like there's a difference there. Uh, we're on Podbean. We're, where are we? Oh, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Just go to our website. Yeah, we're also on Patreon so you can throw us a few bucks and keep the sprocket holes moving over there. Hey, yeah. man. Hey, one question. Yeah. These music videos, are they musicals? Uh, uh, maybe. I mean, Wait, some that's of them. Interesting. 
Okay, I would say, <laughs> well, real, real quickly before we wrap up, yeah, with Bjork, for example, I would say yes. Uh, Agreed. With the electro bank, the the gymnastics one, I would say no. That just feels like that's music in the background. You're of kind a of movie. embracing my definition right now. No, sort of, because I think that I'm not saying any movie that has music in the background becomes. I know. Becomes a musical because that would make. I mean, our film, 30 Love, which you can go to 30lovefilm.com and purchase uh, the DVD or Blu-ray with over three hours of extra bonus features. Yeah, if you just type in Anti-Wave, you get 10% off the discount. Wow, and they can hear us talk for three more hours. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe maybe throw us a few bucks to not have to listen to that. But that movie has a lot of music in it, and it's certainly not a musical. Certainly not a musical. Okay, so no, I would not say music in the movie makes it a musical. But I do think if it plays an essential part... Mm. And I think there has to be some singing that is done. I think you have to sing. I think if it was an all instrumental, I think that'd be tough to call it. You know, you can be a stubborn bastard sometimes. I love you too, man. So until next week, we'll continue that fight. (laughs) Yes, we will. And uh, we'll discuss more next week, I'm sure. And until that happens, keep watching movies. And we'll help you sort them out. You kind of wing it now for 12 seconds and I'll jump right in in nine more seconds. Now I'll go back to being my normal self.